Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. It's your favorite friend on Wednesdays, David Wheels Maxwell. Great to see everybody. Uh, listen, uh, this next podcast I'm really excited about, and I can't wait to get into it. But before I do that, I need to tell you about Flinga's Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. This takes cotton candy to a whole new level. This makes your taste buds dance. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, they're gonna make your taste buds are gonna be thanking you. They've got flavors like Fireball. They've got flavors like Banana, Pickle, uh, Shirley Temple, all those kinds of flavors. The best part about Flinga's though is it's all GMO-free, gluten-free. You don't have to worry. Your kids got allergies. Um, you don't have to worry about that. You've got allergies. You don't have to worry about it. I know we're coming up on Valentine's very Valentine's Day very quickly, but maybe it's a great idea for Valentine's Day. Get your sweetheart some candy, uh, some cotton candy. They'll enjoy it. Go visit Falengas at their um, Facebook page, uh, Falengas Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. If you also go see them at the public market and tell them you saw this ad right here on Facebook, you will get a dollar off your purchase. How can you beat that? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited about this podcast because I will tell you this. When I, we're, this is episode 91. I can't believe it. Uh, pinch myself when I say that because if I had told myself uh, at the beginning of the pandemic when I started this, we were going to reach 91 episodes. I don't know that I would have believed it. But when I started this podcast, I said, I want to tell the story of people that you've never heard of before and people that are out there making a difference in our community and doing great things in our community. And the spotlight needs to be shed on them. So I have Jenny Brongo with us and she is with Homesteads for Hope. Jenny, how are you? Good to see you. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's jump right into it. And just Give us a little, for people that don't know what Homesteads for Hope is, tell us what it is and what your, what your mission is, and then we'll jump, we'll dive a little greater into detail. Yeah, so uh, Homesteads for Hope is a community farm. We've been around for five years, and we serve adults with and without disabilities right here in Western Rochester, and we're providing opportunities to learn, work, live, and grow. I like to be seen as an alternative to college. Um, our main program is Ready, Set, Work. And I am building an intentional campus of inclusion and to empower people. And it's open to the public. We're located on Manitow Road, right on the Erie Canal. If you went to Legia's Ice Cream, you've passed by the farm at least once. Well, then I'd pass by it a bunch because that's one of my favorite places to go. Me uh, too. I <laughs> uh, love Lugias, and that's not even a sponsor. But if you guys want to sponsor, feel free to contact either one of us for either one of our uh, ventures here. We'd be happy to have you. Uh, let, before we jump into some of the programs that you provide on the farm and some of the, the opportunities you provide on the farm, I wanted, I, I'm always interested to find out where people's passions come from for the things that they do. And I know from talking to you and, and reading a little bit about you that uh, part of this passion came from your family and specifically your brother. So can you explain to us, uh, tell us a little bit about your brother and, and how that really pushed you into this direction? My brother has autism and he is one of my best friends. He is nonverbal, but he has 
something to always say. And I have just had a special bond with him um, our entire lives growing up. We're 18 mm-hmm. months apart. He's going to be 31 next two months from now. Um, and he's just, he created a whole new life for us. Um, some could say it's hard being a caregiver. Um, it's hard to be a sibling. Um, but I knew that the world was going to be different for him when he grew up and was an adult. Um, so me and him are kind of partners in this. We come from a construction background. My father owned the gravel pit on the corner of 531 in Manitou. And um, we were just a small family trying to make things work for my brother. Um, and growing up, I wanted to be an autism specialist, a doctor. I wanted to cure autism. Every report in school was about autism. I went to college and I was in engineering. So I was designing, you know, subdivisions with housing in mind. I've always wanted to do something really um, different because I don't necessarily want a cure for autism anymore. We want acceptance um, because it 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 takes a community to raise a raise individuals and all people. Um, so I wanted to be able to do something different, and um, we found sanctuary on this specific farm. Um, for many years, you know, when we were in high school, like in high school, we graduated high school. There wasn't a lot of opportunities and programs. And when you're a person with disabilities um, and, you know, you're raising your child, it's let's get them a day program. Let's get them a group home. Let's get them a, a work program. But it's hard and selective for, I would say, people with behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um and because he's nonverbal and he can't speak for himself, um, he kind of gets bottom of the barrel choices and dusted under the rug because he can't advocate for himself. But we always did. Right. So while waiting for a program, um, we would go to work together. So my brother would sit on the side of the bulldozer with me in the gravel pit. We go on deliveries, um, delivering topsoil and stuff. And it, you know, it just wasn't enough for him. That's not what he chose. Right. Um, and we decided one day to go down to my uncle's farm and uh, we just took a really long walk that night and uh, we had a picnic by the canal and we were skipping rocks and um, he doesn't like fishing, but I brought my fishing pole and I just found like, wow, this is really nice here. Like I can get used to this. It's not stuck at home all the time. Um, It's not going to programs that are only for people with disabilities or being surrounded by your inabilities. Um, I found choice there for him and I let him have options and he kind of led the way and was the muse of creating Homesteads for Hope. Um, That very night I I looked, I Googled on my phone and this was like 10 years ago, like they actually had smartphones then. (laughs) Sometimes I feel really old. Right, I'm with you. I looked up farms for autism and I found a wave of intentional agricultural style communities across the country. So there's hundreds uh, all over the the country, um, California and back. And I visited 15 of them so far um, to create what is Homesteads for Hope now um, and finding great ideas of 
you know, what an intentional life would look like, what opportunities for jobs look like, different housing models. Um, that is awesome. Now, I, I just want to stop you there real quick because I want to unpack a few things you, you said in there. And one, one of the things I want to talk about, first of all, if your brother's a partner in this whole thing, we have to give him a shout out on the podcast. So what's his name? Because we have to give him a shout out. Charles Brongo. Charles Brongo. All right. He's these. They're the dynamic duo, uh, the uh, Brongo siblings. But one of the interesting things you said in there is my brother is nonverbal, but he has a lot to say. Mm-hmm. And that is so interesting to me. And I want you to expand on that a little bit if you can, because I think for people that are going to be listening to this podcast and watching this podcast, they may be saying to themselves, what does she mean by He's nonverbal, but he has a lot to say because I feel like as somebody with a disability, although I have the ability to communicate, people often are, they don't expect much out of someone that's disabled because of their disability. So just, can you expand on that a little bit? What you mean by he's nonverbal, but he's got a lot to say? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, body language, hand gestures. Um, he knows some sign language. He can tell you his wants and needs, um, but usually they're short phrases. Uh, this has been, I mean, he's third, he's going to be 31 now. So mm. he definitely has gained a lot more verbal skills over the years, but he probably didn't even start talking until he was about 15, 16. Right. Um, and while he was going through that as well, he developed a lot of behaviors, um, 15, 16, around puberty. Um, he became very aggressive because when he did use his voice and he did not get what he wanted, um, he was hurtful, hurtful right. to himself, hurtful to others, myself, my mom. Um, but now he really, he knows how to communicate. And I know that he knows a lot of math. He can read, mm. he can write, he knows directions, maybe not south, south, north, east, and west. I hardly do either when I'm driving, right. um, but he's very capable. And, you know, I can just sense what he wants and just by the smile on his face, it can change everything. Um, mm. I'll look in his eye, I'll be like, yeah, no, this ain't going to work. That's um, not what he wants. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he's very capable of doing whatever he wants. And it just, you have to treat him like everybody else. Absolutely. And before we get into the farm and, and the programs you have on the farm and all of that stuff, I also want to, because you talked about being a sibling of uh, someone with a disability. And when you were talking about this, you you could just see in your, your, your smile, you got a big smile on your face. So, what has it taught you being a sibling of someone with a special need um, that maybe you feel like people that don't have that interaction on a daily basis maybe don't understand? Compassion for all people. Mm. Compassion, understanding, um, seeing people for even when they don't talk, understanding them very well, seeing their intentions. Um, It's definitely made me a better person. Um, Mm. It's directed my entire career, of course. Um, And it gave me a lot of patience too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
it uh, just seeing people for who they are and realizing that just because your brother might be nonverbal or in my case I'm in a wheelchair doesn't mean we're any less of a human being and that we should be treated any less uh, because of that disability. So very interesting. So let's talk about the farm a little bit and some of the programs that you have on the farm. And uh, how many, first of all, let's start here. How many acres is the farm? 55. 50, that is a lot of grass to cut. <laughs> well, we farm it, which is even worse because it's a lot of weeds. <laughs> a lot of weeds, you know. Uh, and how many people, um, before we get into the programs, how many people do you, so are there employment opportunities or is it is it, volunteer or how do how would people get involved with with the homestead if they wanted to so there's tons of ways to get involved at the farm um i would say the thing we do best the reason we exist is um allowing adults over the age of 18 to learn how to work in nature's classroom which is our farm and at the farm we're creating businesses so we have um, not in any particular order, but it's like working inside the greenhouses. Those are potential jobs. Um, we have a farm store, a cafe. We're building a harvest pizza and grill enterprise. Um, we just recently opened last year, but now we're really moving forward with it is a private event venue. So weddings, birthdays, showers, anything that you want. Um, so you can participate in that program. Um, we have tons of volunteer opportunities from anything to learn to be a farmer, earn your resume, come get involved, support a person with a disability with one-on-one -on -one sidekick support because every mm. Batman needs a Robin, right? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, we need a lot of just internal help as much as possible, a lot of fundraising help. Um, but just to get involved too, we have a membership, so that's open to everybody. So we have a social tier, which since we're on the canal, like 1800 linear feet on the wide waters. So we have this beautiful inlet. You can come, if you're a member, you can go fishing every day. You can go kayaking. You can, um, hike around the, the property. There are trails. Um, you can stop and meet your friends. And then it's free um, events that we do at the farm. So we do about 15 open to the public events. Plus we create like just special things for members. Um, you can learn to garden at the farm. So we have uh, garden plots in our community garden um, that you can get a part of. And this year we added a you pick option. So if you wanted to be a member to learn to farm or if your family wants to come out for that experience, so like a thing to do each week, right, as a right. family with a disability or not, right, right. Um, there's going to be a you pick garden so you can be able to learn your own but also go pick your own. And then one of the things that we're really excited about and something that's creating sustainability at our farm, um, our farm store is new, our cafe is new, weddings are new. Um, we are an organic farm, so we are doing about eight acres of organics right now. And last year we did 110 CSA food share. So that stands for community supported agriculture. So it's a large part of our program. 
Um, it brings in uh, for 22 weeks when you sign up for a CSA, you get to be a part of the farm. And so every Thursday we have live music, food, vendors and friends all come out to the farms, so like 200 people come to the farm on Thursday nights. So that's a way to come and get involved. Um, God, what else? Uh, we do a lot of partnerships and collaborations with other schools, summer camps, and I want to be as open as possible to partnerships with other organizations, um, no matter who you serve. Because veterans need a purpose, seniors need a purpose, um, and that's what we do at the farm too. We we don't just grow tomatoes; we're growing people um, and awareness. Can I just tell you, and I don't, uh, usually I save this for the end of the podcast, but I just have to tell you, I, you told me you've been around for five years, uh, right? You started in 2016. 16. It is amazing to me that I, I, I'm just learning about your farm now. And my, my God, all the things you just listed, when do you have time to sleep? It would be my next question. That is the question that everyone asks me all the time. Um, yeah. But I love my job and I'm building something that is something I enjoy to do. Right. Our think- generation enjoys music on the canal and kayaking and learning to farm and where our food comes from. Right. And I think I think that's important, too. And um to enjoy what you do. Like I enjoy doing this. I enjoy being on the radio. Those are two of my most favorite things in the world to do. Uh, When those were, when one of those was taken away from me for a little while because of the pandemic, it was very uh, hard. And that's why Wednesdays with wheels was created because I needed to find a way to keep getting my voice out there. So for you to be able to do this now, I have to ask you five years ago when you first we're sitting on the, on, on the, the bank of the water there with your brother and you brought your fishing pole and he was skipping rock. Did you ever imagine that it would turn into what it's turned into? Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. It's and, but yeah, just talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Um, I really wish I wasn't so ambitious all the time. <laughs> I wish it would be enough to just take care of my brother and a small amount of people and, and do more and have more impact with just five people. Right. But there is not just a problem in our community that is, you got to help everybody. There's 15,000 individuals, you know, with disabilities that are aging, out of their homes, out of the school, and they need a they need a life. They need purpose. They need to be empowered, and so it kind of just doesn't stop with Chucky. Um, I want to create an educational center that's open to all. Um, I want to have our work program will create jobs for those who we serve. Um, it's been a tough five years, um, so we had to get through the pandemic. Then try to get ourselves back on our feet after the pandemic. So like we did that last year, but um, we're actually graduating two individuals that will have a job at the farm this summer and full time. Yeah. So I want to, I want to stop you there. Cause I do want to talk a little bit about this. Cause it's one of the first things I thought of about when I was reading the bio you sent over, 
how did you how did the pandemic affect what you were doing and how were you able to keep it going during during the time of because i'm assuming that a, a farm of this magnitude takes a lot to run and so when you're not able to have the events that that you were used to having how did you how was how did you keep it afloat well we never closed down good for you we're nature's classroom we're outdoors we could safely you. maintain distance right. um i actually call the pandemic for homesteads the year of the flood because we were absolutely flooded with people really i don't even know where they all came from so many people still need to learn about us but there are people that they didn't have a day program so their parents stop by and say uh what do you offer? And I'm like, this, this, and this. They're like, okay, we're just going to stay. We're not leaving. I'm like, okay. Um, we did continue a lot of our events. Um, we did. We, we did, and we did it in a safe manner. Um, but the problem was the insecurities of everybody and the mm. safety of everybody and cleaning everything all the time. Um, that was a lot of work and not being able to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction like we used to. Um, I haven't had a field trip in the last two years or two seasons. So uh, our partnerships with the city school district, with local colleges, other districts, like we haven't been able to bring those back, but we are this, this coming season. Um, so it was really hard and people were not uh, giving as much as they could because we were scared. We didn't know financially what was going to happen. Absolutely. Um, so I'm just really proud of my team, um, our community, uh, and just the support of everyone that we're still standing. And we're still standing. <laughs> and you should be applauded for that because so many organizations, uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, were not able to, to survive. And so your fortitude and your Let's talk about that a little bit. Your team, you just mentioned your team, and I think it's important to highlight them a little bit. How many people do you actually have like on full-time staff that, you know, do the bus behind the scenes type work and all that kind of stuff? And uh, like, how is that? How is the team? How does the team help you? And how has that grown over the last five years? Yeah. Um, I would say I have more resumes on my desk than I do money to, to hire everyone. Mm. I would love to give everyone a job. Um, we have five or I'm six, so six full-time staff right now. So we have two farmers, um, a program director, uh, an office manager, and myself. By the summer months, we have probably five to 10 seasonal or part-time workers. We have about 30 very consistent volunteers, many of them being long-term, um, uh, our board of directors is great. And then our apprentices. So those who are in our Ready, Set, Work program, we serve 20 adults full time um, and they are running the show, essentially. Um, and this year for the events that will be happening at the farm, like we're doing an inclusive Easter egg hunt. So young children in wheelchairs to get that same mm -hmm. experience of an Easter egg hunt will be able to come to the farm. Mm -hmm. They'll be operating events of that magnitude um, all the way up to our harvest barbecue. Uh, we do a trunk or treat for Halloween and we're going to have a huge Halloween party this year. So it's like they get to choose whatever they want to do. 
You know, it's so interesting because it's the little things in life that people who don't have a physical disability or any type of disability uh, take for granted. So when you said we're going to do an inclusive Easter egg hunt, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it to you that I just got chills because that would be something that for the average person, you would, they just think, well, an Easter egg hunt, you just go out there and East, you just go out there and find Easter egg hunt. You just find Easter eggs. But for a person who has trouble getting over rough terrain, uh, that can be very difficult. So let's talk about exclusive, like making things accessible and, and how you, because a farm, when people think of a farm, they may not, and I don't even think of the most accessible place in the world, right? So how have you gone about making the farm more accessible and more inclusive for everyone? Well, I've never seen an inclusive ADA compliant accessible farm, right. but I will create one in the future. Yeah. Um, so that all 55 acres are capable for all individuals. Um, mm -hmm. The farm was a lot of dirt, a dirt road in and a dirt road out. There was no parking. There was no pathways. There was nothing. Um, the floors in our historic barns um, were rubble. They weren't clean at all. And just little by little over the years, we have been um, putting in gravel, putting in wood chip pathways, um, creating more accessible ways of farming. Um, the greenhouse is not just a thick stone floor. It's like it's a very compacted asphalt milling floor. Um, the barns have new concrete floors. And as we develop, I want much, you know, concrete and asphalt. And um, we have a trail around the farm um, mm -hmm. right now. Again, it was just dirt road in and dirt sure. road out and lots of mud. But I'm really trying to pave that in the future so that a person can get around a whole mile of a farm and get 1800 feet of the canal as they walk by. Yeah. So I have a lot to do. Is it accessible enough? You have to come and visit and you tell me and give me all your pointers. Well, listen, my friend, the, as soon as the snow melts and you're back here, because right now we were just talking off air before we came on the podcast that right now the farm is, is essentially I mean, a, snow globe. a snow globe and it's kind of closed down, right? You're not accepting any visitors right now. Uh, um, I don't think, right? Members come in snowshoe. Um, okay. Future, I want to have like a recreational building for year round rentals of kayaks and snowshoes and things like that. Um, people do come, but again, it's, it's quiet time. The canals drained out. It's cold out. The chickens yeah. are under snow. Uh, they're, they're in a greenhouse, so they're warm, but like there's just snow everywhere. Yeah, nobody um, come at us. The chickens are warm. They're not, uh, it's, they're warm. 60 plus chickens are warm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, as soon as as soon as the weather gets nicer, you will uh, definitely see me out there uh, because I can't wait to check this out and just to hear how you're trying to make it accessible for everyone. And I I mean I I don't want I, I'm going one of the things I want to ask you is you've named all these things that you have planned you know or that you've already done so you want to have like weddings and stuff like that there. Uh -huh. Where do you where do you see this in, let's say, five more years? What kind, I get the feeling you're the type of person your brain is always working. 
And somebody might have to say to you, Jenny, we need to slow down a little bit. Know me. <laughs> let's, just, let's just, you know, finish what we're working on here. Because, but in five years, where do you see it? Where do you see um, the programs going? The farm, where do you see the farm doing? Um, what, what kind of other things do you see going on there? Before I started this venture, someone told me, Jenny, this is going to take 10 years to do everything that you want to do. And it's going to take a lot of money. And I mm. thought, nah, <laughs> I'm going to do it in half the time. And we're in such a supportive, charitable community that, and, and Tom Galisano, you know, I thought this would be right up his alley. Sustainability, mm. farming. Um, not that we have not gotten support, but again, I thought things were going to happen a lot faster. Sure. Uh, one thing to, to mention about homesteads is that I want you to think about it's cold right now. And we closed down essentially January until about mm, mid March to April to April 1st. When it's cold, we don't offer as much. So we pack in all this impact just in the warm months. Mm. Um, our programs are still operating. They're just off site because we don't have enough weatherized spaces and barns at the farm yet. Okay. Um, there's a lot of buildings. There's a lot of things, but they're not weatherized. They're not heated. They're not air conditioned either. So if I could operate around year round, okay, um, and I didn't have to go through a pandemic and then a catch up year after the pandemic, because for some reason, last year seemed harder than it was during 2020. I think it's because we had the flood of people and we just were like, we got the hope, like, we're going to do this, like, right. we're going to, nothing's going to stand in our way. And I think we were tired last year. Um, our team, our, our families just, and then people were still coming. So if, I feel like we lost two years, if that makes sense. It sure does. Um, another thing that happened, and I'm only saying this as the backstory to provide you the hope for, I know where we're going to be in five years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my mom was also our partner. Um, okay. My mom was Lu is Luann Brown. Um, she was the co-founder with me. So I might've been her, her brains and her typer and her talker and go to the news and, and things like that. But my mom was the day-to-day -day operations at that farm for a woman who did not graduate high school was a teen mom, um, mm -hmm. and who raised autism in a time where we didn't know what autism was. Mm -hmm. My brother was diagnosed back in 1991. There was like you know, one in 3,500 people had autism. Sure, right. And it's not like it is now. My no. mom did that with no education, but just real authentic, like walk in my shoes, right. get it done. Um, unfortunately, we went through some stressful things with my brother, Charles, um, some unfortunate things, um, some abuse by caregivers and some direct support professional staff, um, transportation issues, things like that from other programs that we had sure. just gotten them in. Um, my mom got really stressed out. And that is a big problem with our caregivers, our parents, is that they're burning out and they do everything and they do too much. Um, my mom passed with stage four lung and liver cancer back in 2018. But we found out about it and she was having symptoms um, as early as October 2017. So we only bought the farm 
September 24, 2016, to her getting cancer one year later, to passing one year later. So I really only had my mom a part of this momentum for one year. Um, then it was one year trying to replace a woman who you would need an army to do so. Um, and we haven't. There's, no, there's no replacing a woman like that. There isn't. Um, and a lot of people and a lot of compassion there is. But yeah. uh, there's just been a lot of downtime with this farm. But yeah. we're back on our feet. We're feeling strong. And we actually, because we did not meet the goals of what we want to do in the first five years, um, I thought we would have our historic house built by now. I thought we would have brand new siding on our barns with a restaurant in it and a full classroom. We do not. I wish that everything was paved on the property so that you could get anywhere in your chair, right? Um, we didn't get there, but we're back on our feet and we're going to start like really pushing, pushing this agenda out there because there is such a need because day programs are not opening back up. Um, group homes are closing left and right. And not that is not the choice for everyone to just be in a group home, just a bed, mm. just a number somewhere. Mm. Um, I want to have in the next five years, have our fully established agritourism center at the farm where we have full programs and educational opportunities for either, either younger ages all the way to the adults. Um, I want to be able to employ 50% of people with disabilities at our venue. So if I have 20 employees in five years, at least 10 of them will be those who we serve because um, it's their show. Uh, mm. I want to be able to have housing on the farm. So it's a total of 55 acres and it's kind of subdivided um, between the trolley bed Okay. So there's a trolley that like you could pretty much take it from the farm. Um, you can go to, uh, well, Trolley Boulevard towards Gates, but you can go right into Spencerport and behind, go behind Tops, right? Okay. Took out all the bridges over the trolley bed. Anyways, it's abandoned. So um, everything that is um, north of the trolley bed to the canal will always stay a farm. So that's a total of about 25 acres. Then we own... The other 30 acres, which is kind of looks like this separate parcel, which I want to have for a community setting. So affordable housing options for people with disabilities, their caregivers, but also veterans and seniors and really create an inclusive environment. But it is an intentional environment. You you know, it's a choice to live there. It's right. not it's not an end result. It's not a, you have to. And it's the only thing that's available. It is a choice to be a part of a farming community, um, but this one specifically. So we just had a big meeting with our board of directors. Uh, we had a lot of consumer surveys of where we're supposed to go. And we need to be able to provide more jobs to those we serve. We need to clean up our facility and make sure it's an accessible farm for everyone, like we say in our mission. But also housing is absolutely on the horizon. And I have a huge to-do list to get there. But I feel very confident that it is the time. Yeah, it's so it's I when we've got enough time, we're going to get into a lot more topics. But I feel like I almost need to have you. I've never said this to this is the first time I've ever said this to a guest in the middle of a podcast. But ladies and gentlemen, I feel like I need to have Jenny back on the podcast because there are so many topics that we could touch on 
one of which you touched on in in what you just said was so beautifully said too was the people with disabilities uh whatever the disability may be have a very hard time finding employment and it's not because they're not qualified because i have several friends of mine who are probably overqualified but as soon as they walk into an employer and the employer sees now obviously the employer can't say it's because you're disabled or why we're not hiring you because that would be against the law but you and i both know that that happens it just happens because they're not set up for for the person's needs as far as how they need to get around the building and stuff like that so i feel like there's so many different areas that you and i could touch on that you understand that i think like people out in the community need to understand and the other thing that you touched on that i thought was so amazing was we want you want to build a place where it's not you're not being forced to live here we're not saying you have to live here because there's no other place for you to go we want you to live here and we want you to feel like a valuable member of our community and that to me is is uh if i could bottle up your by the way she wants to start her own podcast and she said i'm nervous about this <laughs> don't tell him that you're, you're making me look bad right now you could no, you could, no, you could no. do this on your own no without a problem it's it's amazing i do want to talk about this you talked about off-site activities that you do because the farm is is pretty much non-operational right now in the winter uh, yeah. in winter uh so where do you do those off-site um uh programs so we started our our majority of our programs actually launched in 2018 like the same time i'm mourning my mother and hiring a bunch of people to replace her we launched most of our programs in 2018. um i would say the first winter we took off um, the second winter was 2019. Um, we were out at CrossFit studio. Uh, we would go bowling. We had a couple bowling leagues with a bunch of different friends. Um, we went to Edison Tech High School. So they actually have a um, beautiful glass greenhouse that was underutilized because they don't have a fancy organic farmer like we do. <laughs> so we would go over there and immerse um, uh city youth with our young adults with disabilities from, you know, West side of Rochester, um, and farm country, Spencerport, <laughs> and they would do the greenhouse together. And then they would actually teach us woodworking. Um, so we went and collaborated with another school and it's been the easiest collaboration we've ever had. And it's, it's super amazing. And they come to us in the warm months. Um, during COVID, we did have to shut down like what, um, for 2020 to going into 2021. So that was really hard. We've seen a lot of regression, a lot of depression. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, uh, but we're back up on our, our feet and all winter, we actually got donated program space by Galena development. So we're actually at like, I wish we could have it forever. 5,000 square foot facility behind the YMCA, um, off of Elm Grove road here. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. A, it really is amazing. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you can see the chat, but uh, oh, no, lots of people are saying so I'm just going to pop. Uh, you need to be on channel 13's bright spot, which you, don't worry, we're going to work on that because I know lots of people over channel 13 and this is going to happen. But you're getting a lot of great comments in the comment section. Um, 
one thing I want to talk to you about is when when you have these folks come into the program, into your different programs that you have, what kind of what kind of transformation are you seeing out of them from when they first take part in the program till you know they're five or six weeks uh, into the program? What kind of transformation are you seeing from the people that are taking part in the program? And maybe even more specifically, because I'm sure your brother took has taken part as your sidekick in some of these programs. What kind of transformation have you seen in him because of of what you're doing on the farm? So one thing to be clear with about Chucky is that I did start this whole farm with him in mind. Um, but ever since my mom's passing, he's had a very hard time coming back to the farm. Okay. And until I can get it um, more accessible for him, he actually uh, broke his leg and it's not healed correctly. So he uses a walker. So again, until I get everything completely done, until I can make sure it's a year round program at the farm with no change in routine for him, can he then return? Um, but he comes to all the events and he's like a superstar and everyone thinks he's like the king or something. Like huh. no one even knows who I am when, when he comes. Huh. He's such Chucky. a boss. He's such a boss. Um, but for others, so, so newcomers and stuff, is confidence. A person that didn't think they could do something. I'm like, we don't use the word can't. You're gonna. You can. Let's try it this way. I've just seen complete confidence. Um, I can think of one person who you could not get him to talk because he was so shy. He didn't have the confidence in the voice that he did have. Um, I he, he don't stop talking. And he, <laughs> he's probably listening right now, but um, I love it. He is our safety guy. So all the um, fire extinguishers on site are proper are in the proper uh, locations where they need to be. Um, all the fire extinguishers, um, the fire alarms, all the batteries change, the testings of them, and just like the go to knows where everything is. I can't find half the stuff at that farm. Like I don't buy tools anymore because I don't know where they are, but everyone else does. Um, and just figuring out, like you've been told your whole life that you can't do something or you're not mm. good at that. And I was like, because no one saw you like this. And right. I see people with great customer service skills, like to put some of my apprentices at your right. business, like it's a game changer. You need a frontline person, like someone to greet your customers, like a hostess or welcome them into your bank or business. Like I've got great social customer skills because they're around the public all the time. Sure. Um, I've got hard workers. So like if anyone out there is listening and you're looking for people in landscaping and construction, I bet you my apprentices could almost run circles around your current crew members um, because we don't stop working until the job is done. Um, the farm, there is always something to do. There's always a learning experience and there's, you know, we're keeping busy. There's never a dull moment. We don't stay bored. We don't, we don't play board games all day. We're mm -hmm. out there doing stuff and, you know, we do stop and smell smell the flowers and of course you know play with the chickens yeah. um well so, you you mentioned you mentioned the chickens chicken. do you have do you have other animals on the farm so we actually are just finishing a construction of a petting zoo right now um 
and again, uh, all by donations. I really don't like to spend money unless it's on our people and things and like the farm itself to like ensure that we're there. But I yeah. didn't put a petting zoo before like parking lot. Okay. Or, or, or paving just so everyone knows someone donated a barn from the Holly school district, their geometry and construction math class is built us a, a 16 by 20 foot petting zoo. It's our second barn they've done for us. And then um, we've had businesses that are putting the metal and the siding on it right now. So it'll have three bays. One's going to be accessible um, egg collection area. Uh, we have a couple rowdy roosters, so not everyone feels safe going into a chicken coop, but roosters bring the farm and that beautiful sound and things like that. Um, but we are planning on getting goats this season. I really want in five years to have reindeer, so check me on that in five years. All That's right. Ridiculous, um, but why not? And um, we are going to be having uh, bee workshops this summer. We had an Eagle Scout build us custom um, hives, and we're going to have those uh, near our flower garden. So well, listen, we'll our own honey. I will tell you this. When you get your reindeer and you, you start doing like just some Christmas stuff, maybe you do a little Christmas stuff, right? I am very close uh, with Santa Claus. Had him on the podcast many times. I many think times. I know you're Santa Claus. You might know him. So we're going to have to get him in touch with you when you do that. And we'll get him out to the out to the farm because me and Santa are close. I've always been on the nice list. So so um, I'm looking at the comments. Yes. <laughs> right. And before anyone says this girl's nuts with a reindeer. But am I? Because Chucky, my brother, Charles, his nickname right. is Chucky his professional name is Charles. Uh, he loves Christmas and I bet you to this day, he still believes in lots of things. There are definitely elves that bring all the Christmas presents. Cause how can that happen? And, uh, reindeer are a thing to him. Um, like he looks at horses and thinks they're reindeer. So I thought about having reindeer at the farm so that, you know, same scenario families to be like, yeah, see, absolutely listen reindeer santa's working it's the middle of july and santa is working right now but he's there I just, i'm just gonna raise my hand right here uh, i'm one of those people show me reindeer and i'm all in let's go and it's something uh, different and it's agritourism um, ab absolutely absolutely i i asked you uh what you see in the change in the in the in the individuals that come to the program and work in the program and and, and all of that, I'm interested to know from you, uh, and this uh, this is a, one of those type of questions, but what have you learned in the last five years that maybe you didn't know? What is one thing you learned about this whole adventure that you're on and that you're continuing to be on that maybe you didn't know? And what is one thing you learned about yourself or that you found out about yourself that you didn't know? Wow. Way to put me on the spot. I asked the, I asked the tough questions. I, you I think, do. Mm. <laughs> he did not prepare me for this one. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't. What did I learn most about these individuals that I serve that I didn't know five years ago? Yeah. The lack, the lack of, I hate that 
I have all these partnerships and I've been in business. I've owned a construction business that like they, they don't see the potential. Mm. They don't see it. And I see it every single day and we need to get more people to get that recognition. Like you're a rock star podcast person. Well, you should you. get paid to do that. Right. Thank you. Uh, okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't want to do stuff for free. Why, I agree should, with you. why should anyone? Right. I, I agree. And yeah. not everyone has the choice to work. Right. 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 This is, this is such a great point you bring up. Not it's everyone so wants to or can work that long. Right. Right. Like, so I want to at least be able to create opportunities that will work for people part time and things like that. So and maybe I don't we want just to work one shift a week. And I don't want to get too much into the weeds with that, but also there are people with disabilities that would love to work, i.e. this guy right here, would love to work a full-time job every day, right? But also need to be have the ability to still afford the equipment that I need to be able to live a regular life. And you can't, if you do that, all of a sudden, some of those programs go away if you have a full-time job. Yeah, so we can simply sum that up as if people are listening that don't understand the disability community and benefits that they get. Have you ever heard of, it's easier to stay in the welfare system than to get out of it? Praise Jesus, if I could say that, because... I can, and I will, because I say things that probably aren't um, politically correct all the time. That is but- it right there. That is it. In a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, what Jenny just told you is the honest to God's truth. If if anyone with a disability of a certain level was to go out and get a full-time job, they lose Everything. many of the benefits that they need to help them in life. Instead of our government saying, let's go out and let them work, and then we can tax them for what they work, but we'll still give them what they need. We'll still pay for the shortfall. They say, no, 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 don't work. And we'll give you everything. But if you go work, we're not going to get, we can't give you anything. That's just so it's a fine line of how much you can work, but also, right. yes, you, you could work. Where's your transportation? Right. Cause right. taking Uber places is not safe and it's right. not affordable full time. Right. Right. And it's just not available to everybody. No, we don't live in a big city like New York City, no. which has handicap accessible Ubers and stuff like that. Um, I'm just and I know we're getting off topic and I'm sorry we're here to talk about the farm, but I'm so passionate about some of the stuff we brought but up. This is the farm. This is about right. creating choice and change and like minded people yes. having a safe environment to talk about the things that we want to talk about and then yes. actionize it. And I think you and I are going to start a podcast together and it's going to be about all this stuff. I might bite off more than I can chew, but we're going to do something because this is great. Uh, But take it, for example, I just, and then we'll move on to something else real quick. But just for example, like we talk about Uber for the average everyday person that doesn't have a disability, they could just hop in an Uber and go wherever they want to go. Right. Do you know, now I am able to use Uber because I can get myself in and out of my chair and in and out of the car and all of that stuff. So I am one of the lucky ones that is is able to use Uber. But for people that can't, 
Liftline, which is a great program. But do you know that you can't just call them up and say, hey, I want to go to McDonald's and pick up a Whopper or a Big Mac and fries and then go home? You yeah. have to give them like a week and a half notice as to when you want to go somewhere. Yeah. So, and if you're not like right there where they want to pick you up, they'll leave and then you lose that service. Right. Yeah. And then you have to be, they give themselves like an hour window. Yep. So if you need to be there at nine o'clock, they're picking you up at seven o'clock to make sure that they get you there by nine o'clock. Uh, so these are just the things that we're talking about. And I, and I just think it needs to be brought to light a little bit. Well, it, it is. So let me tell you about Home Sets of Hope is a kind of a thing people have shunned on because if it's an intentional community. It's a segregated game. Oh, geez. Here we go. No. No. And you want to know what? Because we need to share resources and we do it with college students. We do it with seniors. Like right. I love living at college and like walk, like walk a dorm three over and go get right. lunch or see my friends or work on campus at the engineering building. I like to learn and work and live and play with in a community. And so that's what Home Sets for Hope is. And I'm hoping to create more options than barriers for transportation in the greater community too. Yes. It's just, it's just, it's just it is amazing. Uh, Jenny and I, by the way, have never met in person, but I feel like we, We're have, friends. Uh, we, we, we have become quick friends over this hour and we're going to stay in touch. Jenny, one thing before I let you go, because this hour has flown right by and we've only got a little bit of time left. I'm going to have you back on the podcast in uh, short order to talk about some more things. Uh, uh, you've got a fan in me for sure. I'm going to be promoting you everywhere I go. Uh, I'm going to reach out to uh, my friends over at Channel 13 and Channel 10, and we're going to get you some more, uh, as we would call in the business, street cred. Uh, we're going to get you on... We're going to get you on the TV and, and, and so people know where you're at. But one thing I, before I let you go, I have to ask is if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're saying, man, this sounds really great. You know, I have a, 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 a young adult or a middle-aged adult. Um, and again, we're not just talking to people with uh, special needs. It's for everybody. right. But I do want to focus on the special needs for just one second because a lot of those folks do need assistance to sign up for things and stuff like that. So if 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 one of their caretakers caretakers is listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, where would they go to sign up for one of your programs and how would they go about doing that? So you can go to our website, homesteadsforhope.org. Uh Everything that you need is available there. Um, in a few weeks, we're unveiling a brand new website to make things more accessible and available. But our office is still open um, at the farm. So you can come visit us Monday through Friday, minus a holiday from 8 a.m. to 4. And one of us in the office can help you fill out the paperwork if you need assistance. Um, you can call us. Our phone number is actually 352-HOPE. That's 352-HOPE. Yep. So if you want to give us a call and uh, we have open enrollment for our Ready, Set, Work program. Um, it starts in April. Our next session would be in July and in September. Um, we have memberships come wide open. So three different tiers. It's affordable and it's for everyone. 
Um, and we hope that everyone comes and visits in the springtime as soon as the weather breaks. Um, and June 2nd, no, June 1st is the, uh, June 2nd. Yeah. Thursdays at the farm, June 2nd, all the way till November. So come enjoy the farm, meet people and, um, live music. Jenny, I just had an idea that I'm going to, I'm going to bring up here on the podcast. I'm thinking that when the weather gets nicer, Jenny, I'm thinking we should take Wednesdays with wheels on the road and we'll do a Wednesdays with wheels live from the farm. Okay. I think we should do that. And maybe we can, we, we'll have to get the proper uh, signatures and whatever. Uh, but we'll, we, we'll have some of the people that work in your program on the podcast to talk about their experience. I think that would be phenomenal. That would what a be, launch to a new podcast. What a launch to a new podcast. There we go. It doesn't even have to be Wednesdays with wheels. It could be Fridays at the farm. No. Fridays <laughs> at the farm. Fridays at the farm. Just hope the roosters don't wake me up too early. We are going to have a podcast in the coop. Just in the coop. I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you've gotten so much out of this podcast because well, I started this podcast by saying I wanted to tell the story of, of folks that you may have never heard of before. The, the young lady you see sitting in front of you is the epitome of what this country should be more about and i and i and i'm telling and i'm saying this and i know i'm doing it right in front of her and i don't mean to embarrass her i really don't but it truly is because with all the division we have going on in this country you know mask not masked vaccine not vaccine whatever it may be it doesn't matter what matters is what people like jenny and her brother and her mother who I don't, I never even met, but I feel like I know through the words that she spoke, those are the stories that we need to tell. And those, those are the people that need to be highlighted. Take all the other stuff that you're dealing with away, because just think for a moment, what someone like her brother, okay, is dealing with. But yet every, I don't, I've never met him, but I saw some pictures on Facebook. I'm not going to lie. I did a little Facebook stalking, that young man has a smile on his face all the time, at least in all the pictures I saw. So those are the things that need to be celebrated, programs like this. So if you can find it in your heart, I'm going to post the links to the fundraising pages and to uh, Homesteads for Hope uh, face, uh, Facebook page and the uh, website page. And if you can find it in your heart, to become a member, go take advantage of, don't do it. Let me say it this way. Cause I'm, I feel like I'm even saying it wrong. Don't do it just because you do it because there's things that you can go to that farm and do. You want to go snowshoeing. You could go snowshoeing. You want to go walk the canal. You go walk the canal. But if you can find it, if all possible to help out, please do so. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I sure did. We'll be back next week with a very uh, exciting guest. We are coming up on 100, and who knows who we're going to have for the 100th guest. But I don't know. It could be exciting. We'll talk to you real soon, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye.